We continue the player recaps. Kelly Oubre up next. Plus, we'll get some NBA playoff conversation. All with David Walker today on Locked On Hornets. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. Again, we're free and available anywhere you get your pods. That does include YouTube. This episode is brought to you by Game Time. You can download the Game Time app and create an account and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. That's David Walker. He is the almanac of air. I love it. One of my favorite ones joining us here on the pod today. That's also Doug Branson, the creator of almanac of air. Find his work on his Substack every hornetsboxscore.com. Listen to me every weekday, WFNC from 12 to 3 PM. David plus the hat is great. It's just all working. The nickname, the hat, everything is just looking great for you today. I really appreciate the appearance. Oh, I appreciate it. But, um, I heard you guys talking about hoodies last week and just mm-hmm. you know your use of them on some of the cold mornings, and uh, I love to throw one on. So I just uh, thought I'd join the crew. Oh, very swaggy. David is swaggy today. You know who else, <laughs> though, is swaggy? It's Kelly Oubre, Tsunami Poppy. In fact, in honor of the Met Gala, is that why you decided to go for a Tuesday episode with Kelly Oubre, Doug, because of that oh, happening? And like he, he would be the guy on the Hornets roster yeah. that I'd most like to send. It'd be Kelly Oubre. Well, I don't know. I mean, Lamelo, he's he's flashing Mello. some like pink pants that were like flowy pink pants. Like, I mean, I I think he's I think I, Lamelo's style is pretty outrageous. No, you're right. Way. I think Kelly is more consistent with it as far as the 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 what he brings because mm. Mello will bring mm. it. To, yeah, I don't know. Either way, either one of mm. those guys would look great at the Met Gala and Kelly Oubre. Interesting season for him because I feel like he changed a little bit at the beginning, but in so many ways, he's the exact same player every single season, no matter the situation. But we did see some, I don't want to say fundamental change. That seems like more of a foundation. This was what he stuck to every single game. But it did seem like at the very beginning, he was starting to drive to the basket more. That's the Kelly Oubre I love is when he's driving. He's a lot more efficient because he is athletic because He is physical. He doesn't mind playing physical brand of offense when he's driving. But but the problem is so many times he'll leave that on the table and just continue to shoot three after three after three. But you did see his 20 point per game performance this year. It's the most uh, he's ever scored uh, on average throughout a season. Very similar field goal percentage throughout his career. Shot 43%. He's a career 43.4% shooter. You know, he shot 32% from three. He's a career 33% shooter from distance. This is somebody that needed to be called upon because of all of the injuries and did so inefficiently, but would also be the hero of a lot of these games. David, what do you make of Kelly Oubre's season when you just kind of take an overview of it? Yeah, oddly, uh, a little more um, consistent in my mind. I mean, you know, there was a lot of ups and downs for the Hornets as a whole this year, obviously. More downs than ups. But I thought Kelly Oubre provided a pretty consistent scoring punch when he was in there. And more than that, you really felt it when he was not in there. Um, So to me, I thought he was a big part of this team this year. Uh, and, and on top of that, he enjoyed being here. Apparently, you know, he came out and said several times that he, he likes being in Charlotte. He, he enjoys being a Charlotte Hornet. He, he likes playing on that team. And so I think when you watch this team and anybody said that, uh, you have to feel 
pretty good about what he what he brought to the table. I understand a lot of the hesitation to um, you know commit uh, long term to Kelly Oubre, but for my money, uh, he was one of the more enjoyable players to watch this year. And with so little going right for the Hornets, I thought he was a bright spot personally. What do you think, Doug? Do you think he was a bright spot or uh, more often than not this season? Uh, I mean, I think the the reviews are mixed, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that his role did change because of the injuries. I, I think he had some intention of changing roles slightly, um, even if all of that hadn't happened. I think he and Steve Clifford developed a close relationship very quickly, and Clifford wanted him to turn back into the pesky defender that he was early in his career. You know, it's interesting from Kelly Oubre's comments really throughout the season, but also at the end of the season, it's clear that Kelly Oubre believes that he used to be a, a fundamentally better player and he wants to get back to that. Uh, wants and, and does think that this season he got a little bit closer to who he was earlier in his career, which was a, a slasher and somebody who could be counted on to be pesky on the defensive end of the floor, generate a lot of steals. And I think for portions of the season, he did that. He provided the Hornets, a team that doesn't have a lot of swagger, doesn't have a lot of confidence, especially when LaMelo is off the floor. You know, he provided those things to this team and, and you know, allowed them to be a fun watch. But at the same time, when Kelly and Terry took over the offense, they really took it over. <laughs> and yeah. there wasn't, you know, when they were playing with younger players, the ball didn't find those younger players very much. And as you pointed out, Walker, his game transformed. He went from this three-point marksman that was really up and down. Remember last season, the roller coaster we've been talking about with P.J. Washington this season, last season it was Kelly Oubre. When his three-point shot was hitting, he was Tsunami Poppy. When it wasn't, he was nothing. And so this season... David's right. He became a more consistent player, but he was consistently inefficient because so much of his offense was generated from the mid-range. And so, you know, if he was hitting those perfectly, it was great. But, you know, you miss a couple of mid-range shots and all of a sudden you become a significantly less efficient offensive player. And and he didn't have the three-point shot necessarily back that up. And a lot of, a lot of players this season did not have a three-point shot to back that up. Uh, but he was forced into that role somewhat by the injuries. And, and I thought he did the best like like a lot of these players, I thought you know he did the best yeah. with a really bad situation. And look, I'll tell you, I gained a lot of respect for him in that sixty to mid seventy game stretch when he came back from his injury. And when he came back, he came back in the middle of that five game win streak that Charlotte had and helped mm -hmm. them win the latter three with him in the lineup. If my math checks out, which never do math live, but here I am breaking that rule. I think he was six and seven with the Hornets. I think the Hornets finished six and seven with him after he came back from injury. And that was the most consistent he was. And he played the right way. He shot 46% from the field, 35 from three on six attempts per game. He actually shot five uh, foul shots per game and made 85% of them. So this was somebody that was averaging 20 points per game during that stretch. And then at the end, you know, Kelly was shut down and they were doing the tank thing and getting the younger guys out there. But Kelly, not only was he playing better, not only did he have that role where everybody was shut down, you're still battling through injuries, but the attitude mattered a ton. We talked about it, whether it was on the bench, whether he was hyped because somebody else made a play, whether he was hyped because he made a play. 
uh, this was someone that clearly galvanized a group of young guys in in a way that you weren't playing for anything either too you know so so to go Mm -hmm. to for a a game below 500 with a bunch of young dudes you're playing the right way you're clearly being the emotional leader of the squad even if it might not be a great idea in my opinion to bring him back based off what kind of contract i think he would be handed even if i don't think that would be a great idea i gained a lot of respect for what he did especially Mm -hmm. after he came back from that injury and that's why i think david you feel that way and i even feel that way towards the end of the season that he was a bright spot yeah i think doug's point about just forcing him into a role that you really probably ultimately don't want him in one of like distributor one of creator just with a little bit more on his plate i mean that's not where he's really going to excel i'm glad you mentioned the leadership part part of that though kind of the off the court the energy stuff that he brought that is something that you could say hey we we kind of need this from you and, and he can provide but it's very hard for you know any player to go out there and completely the way they play when they're asked to be doing something that really they're not excelling at, right? I mean, and and you want Ubre to be that offensive punch, that kind of micro score. I think on any good team, that's where he's going to fit. Hornets were not a very good team, so they needed to ask a lot more from him. They needed to ask a lot more from Terry. So I think, given that, you know, he he did he and Terry really probably did as best as they could in those roles. It's just not what they're ultimately suited to do. Uh, but when you look at all the other things that went wrong, you know, it was nice to see a few bright spots, a few energy plays and, uh, you know, being a leader, which I'm not sure that anyone would have said that of, of Kelly Oubre, you know, before he really arrived in Charlotte. 100%. Doug, you have any final thoughts on a, a Kelly Oubre recap before we get to some postseason discussion? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, I salute to Kelly Oubre. Appreciate what he what he provided for the franchise. I don't think it would be a necessarily wise move or maybe I should say there are better moves to make than retaining the services of Kelly Oubre. Uh, and a lot of this is going to depend, I think, too, on how the draft shakes out. You know, do do the Hornets find themselves in a position to take a player uh, with a top four draft pick that would need significant minutes? Because then it becomes harder and harder to justify playing Kelly Oubre. Yeah, uh, I agree, uh, but but gained a lot of respect for Kelly. It, w- it was awesome to watch him at the end when the Hornets were actually you know, winning at a greater uh, frequency than they certainly were the rest of the season. And, and he was a reason for that, and he was leading them. So really enjoyed watching Kelly play really in that last month of his availability. All right, we'll move on from Kelly. We'll talk about the postseason coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We'll talk Malik Monk comments on Golden State. Did he poke the bear like Dylan Brooks? And did he get the same result as Dylan Brooks eventually finding himself at home while the postseason goes on? We'll get to that. Plus talk about some other storylines going on at these NBA playoffs. This episode is brought to you by Game Time. It is the place for last minute ticket deals. You can forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, but also non-sporting events like concerts, comedy, theater, and even more than that. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. And if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Get images of your seat too before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. You can buy the tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and then you're set. 
tickets are sent directly to your phone too so you never have to dig through your email snag the tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use code locked on nba for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code locked on nba again twenty dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed more more to come next locked on hornets this is locked on hornets i'm a fantastic googler i'm bad at logging in if they were to do sort of a scouting report of of me and my ability to use the internet todd 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 yeah excellent googler not a very good guy that's logging in very good at interrupting the host anytime he's trying to go on a rant it's time for more of the locked on hornets podcast Oh, my sweet baby boy, Malik Monk, made some comments (laughs) in the first round of the playoffs against Golden State. And despite having three awesome games and what helped Sacramento make that a seven-game series, Mm -hmm. going into that seventh game, Malik Monk had some comments about, you know, the reigning champ that has Steph Curry on it, a possible top 10 player of all time that has Draymond, maybe the best junkyard dog mentality whatever dog at him type of player ever <sighs> david he called him old and i don't know if you yeah. want to poke the bear like that if you're well hold on let's state. clarify he, he didn't he didn't call the it, the quote wasn't that he called them old yeah he ahead, just clarify. said mm-hmm. that the sacramento kings happen to be younger Maybe they can mm-hmm. run a little faster maybe they can run a little bit more mm-hmm. they're a little bit younger and of course if you're a veteran team like the Warriors, you're going to take that. You you're going to run it through the hot take machine. You're going to put it through, put it on the billboard. You know, make that material, and then go out there. I was so I was ready. I just want to tell you, Walker. Mm-hmm. I swear to you, I was ready to come on this show and eat okay. crow. I had the plate of crow ready. <laughs> it was fully cooked, like like a rotisserie chicken. It was fully cooked, and I was ready to eat it. And about then, what Malik? Yeah. Because he was he was so good in this in the playoff series up until that point. And now you're done with all that. Now oh, it's- I was until, like, put it away. I, th- I took it to the trash. I threw the crow away. I said, I'm not eating this until because the Malik comment, Monk the showed you it. ultimately why mm-hmm. Malik Monk has struggled in this league, and that's with maturity and understanding uh, the moment. Um, yeah, I Walker, look- did you did you feel like did you feel a little crowded? I mean, did you feel like there's just so many more people? on Malik Monk bandwagon over the last two, three weeks? And, and you oh, were, did you get a little uh, possessive? Let me tell you, there are a lot of houses. They've all been beautiful this entire time. Right. I don't know why people haven't come aboard this Malik Monk Island. Yeah, that's fine. I will take back the house that you bought for a brief moment, Doug, <laughs> and then toss to the side because of these comments. Yeah, Malik, you you might have a point. It was It seemed benign, but then it wasn't benign, and then Golden State would go on to win. But, I mean, Malik what was very good especially in those wins that they had he was awesome a nice little breakout year we'll see you know what what that can uh serve as some kind of launching pad but now golden state they move on and we've got some awesome series like as much as i wanted to see malik move on in sacramento that would have been a lot of fun steph curry lebron james fantastic matchup denver just pulled ahead 2-0 against the phoenix suns last night so phoenix outside of you know after making that trade for KD now you find yourself in a 2-0 hole in the first round or in the second round 
So some interesting storylines, David, I'll ask you, what is, what have been your favorite moments so far watching the postseason? Because it's, it's been wild. It was a wild first round. Yeah. I got to say last night, the Celtics collapse was one of the most hilarious uh, last couple minutes of any playoff game I've seen thus far. Uh, and there's, it's been really, really good guys. I mean, for the most part, all these playoff series and, and games have been good, but I don't know what the, the it's fascinating to me that the Celtics, a team with, you know, a lot of experience. Uh, yes. A young coach, maybe that's some of it, some of it, but they just mm-hmm. completely, it looks like they forget to play basketball in like two or three key possessions down the stretch and as particularly from their stars, you know, Brown, I think only had three second half shots or something and, and Tatum down the stretch, I was waiting for him to take a shot to kind of put the nail on the coffin or to at least extend the lead late. And it never really came. They couldn't figure out what to do. I guess this zone that Philly's thrown at him is causing them some problems, but my goodness, uh, now no need to panic, panic for them. But I mean, this is creeping up a couple of times for them. I think that's one of the bigger storylines. Uh, the dominance of the Nuggets also, I think, is really impressive. And it's kind of cool to see Jokic with all the MVP back and forth. I was pulling for a Jokic and Bede finals. I, I don't know what's up with it. Very good from a health standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Nuggets look like a, a juggernaut right now. And, mm-hmm. and I know that makes Doug happy uh, with Devin Snooker on the other side there. And, uh, yeah, get him out of here. You know, just waiting to see if they can sweep them. Maybe a gentleman sweep, Doug? What do you think? Uh, just uh, just get him out of here. Kevin Durant, too. I'm done with Kevin Durant. Chris Paul. <laughs> oh, it's such an unlikable right. team. It's the, it's the least likable team uh, because the Mavericks didn't make the playoffs. I think the Mavericks would be the least likable team. But I think the Suns. They made sure of that. Yeah. Yeah, but Kyrie is every game. Team. Kyrie's now, he's he's front row at every game, though. So he could, he could limp. Yeah, I'm happy for the Nuggets. It's interesting how competitive the East was this season. And that was the storyline. Um, and yet the it looks like i mean i think the west is going to take this finals like i can't I, I just can't envision one of these east teams um winning the whole thing uh so it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out but i want to go back to this sacramento golden state series because i think there are some interesting lessons that uh fans can take away from this that the hornets can take away from this all, all joking aside on the malik monk situation i, I think it is a good lesson on understanding who you're playing against and and not giving that team any extra motivation and, and a maturity level, not even just that particular moment, but just really keeping composure, when, especially when you are playing a team with a lot of experience, which the Hornets would be, you know, if they get to the playoffs next season, would more than likely be playing a, a team with significantly more playoff experience than them. You know, I think there's a lesson to be learned there. The other lesson from that series, though, the more important lesson, the one that actually has to do with what happens on the court, is what happened to Sabonis, who got absolutely owned in that ser- in that seventh game by Kavon Looney, who just out-rebounded him possession after possession and on the offensive boards and really changed the flavor of that game in the third quarter mm-hmm. and going into the fourth quarter. Like the story is obviously Steph dropping the 50 burger, but I thought Kevon Looney's role in that game may have been yeah. even more important than the 50 points because it, it allowed His Steph Curry to get. He was awesome I, all series. Yeah. Yeah. And so physicality underneath is so, so, so critical to winning playoff series. And it's why I think we harp on it a lot with Mark Williams. It's why we want to see that develop within him and why Steve Clifford, for his both tenures as Charlotte Hornets head coach, 
has been begging this organization to provide him with a physical center because Steve Clifford has history on teams that have won multiple playoffs series. Now he was, you know, assistant coach, but he saw what it takes. It takes, yes, star players, but it also takes a a level of physicality underneath the basket in order to stave off that kind of thing when you're in a game seven for your life. And Sabonis was not ready for the challenge. Kevon Looney was, and Mark Williams better be if the Hornets expect to win playoff series in the future. Yeah, I, I think Mark has that within him. So hopefully that can continue to develop too. And, you know, another storyline, you know, speaking of, well, and making the comments, right? Like Golden State seems like the team that is going to squeeze the life out of any comment you throw them because overall, like it wasn't, I didn't find, as we joke, I didn't really find a huge problem with Malik Monk's comment, but like, yeah, Golden State, they're going to take anything. I mean, they had so many different pieces of motivation they could apply to win the series and then, you know, say, yeah, we're, we're coming for everybody, right? Like Draymond lost respect for DeMontis Sabonis. And so he had oh, some kind of personal geez. battle with Sabonis as like you're mentioning, they, they could pick from wherever Dylan Brooks is out here talking real wild. And now he's at home for it. And so <laughs> like that's, that is the poking the boy, the bear because he called it the poking well, of the bear. And then sure enough, got sent home and, and we would be remiss just one moment. I, we can get to the Dylan Brooks stuff, but I mean, Jimmy being the coldest dude in the NBA is wild to see postseason after postseason. And for them to beat Milwaukee the way they did is insane. So anyways, go ahead, Doug. Yeah, it takes that's the kind of intensity. That's that's the kind of thing that the Hornets don't have. I mean, they don't obviously they don't have a player. I think of the talent level on both ends of the floor that Jimmy Butler provides. Oh, yeah. I mean, they also don't have that attitude. It's why we, all three of us on this show, for multiple seasons now, have been begging this team to go out in free agency and find players that have playoff experience, that understand what it takes, Mm -hmm. the kind of attitude it takes. The closest they have is Terry Rozier, and and that's just not good enough. Uh, And so, you know, that that being that, I I do want to comment on the Memphis thing. To me, Memphis is the nightmare if you're a Hornets fan, which is that you get – the all-NBA talent, John Morant. So let's say LaMelo develops into a John Morant-level all-NBA player, okay? Although Morant missed all-NBA, and now he's suing a – I think he's suing the teenager that he allegedly got into a fight with because he cost him (laughs) all-NBA money. I don't know. Anyway, but he's an Mm all-NBA-level player. Say that that LaMelo gets to that point. The nightmare is that you get there – and you just completely fumble it all away because you have no idea what you're doing. And you have Dylan Brooks on your team mm-hmm. who does something outrageously stupid. It is about maturity level. you know. And, and we had questions about that. I mean, remember the play-in game. Uh, what, well, you had situations all two seasons ago. You had situations multiple times where we would come on the show and be like, this team doesn't understand about time and situation. They're committing technical fouls when they absolutely should not commit technical fouls. Yeah. And, and then you had, uh, I think, two play-in collapses. You had Miles Bridges uh, getting ejected, throwing something into the stands. You had all these things where you go, man, this team really just doesn't get it. And, and hopefully yeah. they, they have grown from those moments and, and will, you know, if they get to a playoff series, won't have the nightmare that Memphis fans experienced. Yeah, it feels like Memphis could really use a couple of those guys as well, too, right? Someone with uh, with, with an older voice on there to kind of uh, shake things up. And I think during all that Jaw stuff, um, you know, there was some of that floating around. They didn't have Steven Adams, too, right? They were missing a couple guys, so that, that, that doesn't help them. But on the Dylan Brooks angle, guys, 
I mean, I saw a few people throwing out, you know, a team like Charlotte could really use. I know. Someone well, like a well, that's 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 media. That's media hating Charlotte and <laughs> wanting now, them to experience well, more pain. I, I I will agree. They do need, you know, someone with a Dylan Brooks like toughness or edge about him. Um, I'm not sure that's the exact uh, influence that uh, locker room needs. I'm gonna say at this point. Well, but but Dylan is fake tough, man. I mean, look, if you're real oh, tough, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you're real tough, then you face the media. You face that you after those losses, I you mean, come at out least once. <laughs> at least one time, you come out and say, after, "All right, right, yep, that's on me." There was no accountability. I think even after, I think he did do interviews after the season, and he stood by the comments that are ultimately going to find him needing a new team. Like, I mean, I, I think Memphis would have entertained yeah. bringing him back had it not been for the fact that he, I think he single-handedly cost them that series. Uh, so yeah, it, it is, it is about maturity and hopefully the Hornets mm-hmm. stay far away from fake tough. I don't want fake tough. I want real tough. There you go. Um, yeah. Let, let's continue mm-hmm. to talk about that a little bit more. Other playoff storylines coming up next on the locked on Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Again, we'll give some more of uh, our thoughts on what's taking place in the NBA po- uh, postseason so far. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. It's a fantasy app, a fantasy website where you pick two to six players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Prize Picks offers projections on any sport you watch. I mean, any. This includes the NBA, men's and women's college basketball, WNBA. You have soccer, esports, NASCAR, tennis, boxing, disc golf. There's so many more. Just go check it out for yourself. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's really that easy. You also have safe and fast withdrawals. They're currently operational in over 30 states and even Canada, too. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks gives you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks gives you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. One more segment to go, Locked On Hornets. This is Locked On Hornets. And which, what, what I have liked to see a few more shards. Shards? No, I would not have. Only on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, David, here's a question for you regarding the heat more so. We've been talking about this on WFNZ anytime we discuss the postseason. And Charlotte, I guess if you were to manufacture some rival, it would be Miami. And that that would be the team because we have some kind of history with them. Even if Miami might call the Knicks their rival more so and maybe, you know, whoever, right? We would probably have to call Miami that rival. But also, it's really hard because you do see them get to the postseason. And it is hard, at least for me, not to root for a team like that and not to root for Jimmy Butler. I don't know if you have the same problems there, if you find it very easy to root against them. But with Jimmy yeah. Butler, just I mean, that that's a crazy upset. I, I don't know if I'd call it the 
the biggest upset in NBA history. You have the believe yeah. Golden State Warriors against Dallas. That's probably the one that you would go with. But man, to, in the play-in era where Miami looked dead, I mean, even the win they had against Chicago, they didn't look good to get into the postseason. They beat Milwaukee. It was incredible. Do you have a hard time pulling for Miami because you're a Hornets fan? Oh, yes. I intentionally <laughs> left them out of uh, my storylines. That's right. My least favorite storyline is every time I see Cody Zeller, uh, you know, break the huddle or, or, or oh. high-fiving guys as they come back. Uh, that's just not – it's just not right. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it's, it's just I – don't, I don't enjoy that at all. Um, I also don't enjoy – the thing that stings about the Knicks heat, of course, is like one of the most famous – rivalries and one of the most famous alumni from each team is like Larry Johnson and Alonzo yep. Mourning. <laughs> and that just stings. I mean, that's probably the heyday. That is the heyday of the Hornets franchise mm -hmm. and the most famous player they've ever had. And they're not even associated with the Hornets. Um, you know, the LJ thing is bizarre. I get Zoe. He had such success, but they were both here. They were both Hornets. They were both draft picks. And for that to just be, you know, wiped away or not even acknowledged is, is rough. No, I'm with you. I, did you guys see LJ? I think he was at Madison Square Garden. I think there was a clip yeah. of him, you know, watching the game because and I, I've seen him. I think there's been a couple of times where he's been back. I did see him at when it was unknown brewery still still he was signing autographs with Muggsy. But mm -hmm. you know, people would ask him, hey, man, you know, we, we appreciate seeing you. We don't see that much because you see Muggsy all the time. But yeah. you don't see LJ because of the problems that he has with the organization. But you're right. And then if you if you wanted to even sprinkle a little uh, Glenn Rice in there, who people might think more so for Miami. You know, sprinkle well. Jamal Mashburn. Yeah. I mean, the Hornets yeah, yeah, yeah. and the Heat yeah. came into the league around Eddie the Jones. same time. Mm -hmm. They are inextricably linked. PJ and Brown. the Hornets right, will, will always be... I don't even want to call him the little brother. It's like the little cousin. Like, I mean, we're not... You yeah, know, unfortunately, yeah. I, you know, I think... Uh, the, the Hornets would have to do a lot um, in, in order to uh, overcome that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem, though, cheering for the Heat because they're playing the Knicks. I would I would rather them induce suffering on mm -hmm. the New York Knicks than, uh, than to not watch the Heat move on. I, I'm actually less hurt by Cody Zeller. I'm, I'm happy for Zeller that he landed on a team in, in the right kind of role where he can take zero shots and be a plus nine on the floor because they're just asking him to go score one transition bucket. and they get yeah, he just wants to yeah, yeah, just go out there and get hit a couple of times. Take a cut, take a some Can bruising do, for us. You want <laughs> yeah, somebody physical? It. It's Cody Zeller. Where's my his mask? Nose is Give me that mask. Yeah, yeah, his nose is as physical as anybody. I know where this is going though, Doug. Tell it. Tell us what uh, really has you hurt watching Miami. It's Caleb Martin. It's watching <laughs> Caleb Martin go. go out and hit four of five for twelve points and grab eleven rebounds, and and also get two. The problem I have with Caleb Martin is that he's going out there and getting two steals and a block. Because that was what that was not Caleb Martin. Caleb was the offensive guy, and Cody was the defensive guy, and the Hornets chose Cody because he was the defensive guy, and that was the right choice, you know, theoretically, because the Hornets needed defense. But it's like that episode of Friends where Phoebe Buffay is dating the – uh, firefighter oh, and yeah. the like nerdy arty guy and she likes the firefighter because of the physicality she likes the nerdy arty guy because of the brain and then she goes to break up with one and the other and they reveal themselves to be the other side the the firefighter has a softer more artsy side and the art guy takes his shirt off and he's got a six-pack and that's what Caleb Martin has pulled on the Charlotte Hornets he was hiding all of that defensive effort under his shirt 
and then he just rips it off. He just takes it like Hulk's out, rips it out when he goes to the Miami Heat. Now he's suddenly a defensive stalwart, and he's a big part of what they're doing, and I hate it, and I think the Hornets chose the wrong twin. Oh, no. Oh, so you're ready to go there. (laughs) So that was the the dismount is I think the Hornets chose the wrong twin. after. I don't have any evidence yet. Well, okay, I'll say it's it's incomplete. I don't have any evidence yet because we didn't see Cody Martin. Hopefully this weird injury that kept him out uh, essentially the entire season. And we don't it seems like the the weird thing about Cody Martin is that it seems like that LaMelo Ball has hurt his ankle four times last season and fractured an ankle. And yet the Hornets seem more hopeful that he's going to be healthy before the start of next season than Cody Martin. That's crazy. What were you going to well, say, David? It's also, I was just going to say, didn't the Hornets beat the Heat, you know, uh, uh, in the closing stages of this season? Didn't they get a win off of them at some point? And, and they always I think do. I sat here they, said, always, they always mess with the Heat at the, the, end the, heat, of the season. You, yeah, you take that. Yeah. This team, first of all, calling them an 8 1 upset is a little, is a little, um, because they were the seventh seed, right, in the play-in, I think. So they were the actually the seventh seed. Now they slipped down maybe to the eighth seed. I don't know. Who cares? But uh, whatever. <laughs> yes, the they eighth one. The, it's yeah, just so irritating and annoying. Um. Yeah, they were. They had a better record than the Hawks. So yes, they they were forty four and thirty eight. So they were the seven seed. But you're there right. You it, it is the the eight one. Um. It, it is. I guess technically the eight one matchup there. So yeah, it's tough. It is. It is interesting though, right? Like Miami. That's just. It, anything possible that's just a little problem with them the hornets have it and uh, you can understand why because our players become their players and then they become more synonymous with that team name as we've talked about and here they are continuing to uh win playoff games because eric spolster is very good jimmy butler is very good yeah. and we'll see what they do after a 1-0 lead against the knicks they might go to the conference finals it's hey, hey hey david you brought us some you brought i guess maybe good news you brought us some good news on the uh, tv front we've all been watching this uh diamond sports group bally sports yeah. uh, bankruptcy very closely what it could mean for the hu- future of hornets broadcast and apparently, and look, and not, not a lot of people like these RSNs. I think a lot of people would like to see them go away and, and you know, come out with some form that's a little bit more equitable and, and nicer to fans. Um, and you brought us some news here from ESPN.com that the Suns and the Mercury have cut their cable cord and they are moving to a new uh, TV setup that is not, they, they've cut the contract with Diamond Sports Group, said goodbye to the RSN, and they're moving into a, a future sort of streaming deal that they'll figure out there. So uh, what does this mean to you? You've read all of this. What does it mean? What do you think it means for the Hornets? Is this a possibility uh, for the Hornets in the future? Yeah. I mean, it's a pathway. It sounds like, so what they're right. They cut the deal with the RSN uh, and they are going to air the games on, on a local station. Uh, Still, for me, that would mean hopefully if you're using a YouTube TV or Hulu, whatever, if you get the local station, you would get then get the games. They're also going to have a a, a, an app or some over the top service. Right. So it's Mm -hmm. going to be another private service where if you just completely cut cable, didn't have anything you could pay to access like some people do with the Valley's app. Right. So that would be another form of it. Um, so there would still be some access to it if you didn't have TV, but I mean, then, uh, I believe the RSA, <laughs> I, believe, I believe they're taking some legal action because they don't view this as legal. Um, so there may be some, some fights and some headbutting, 
to come Whatever. after this, but I think this is probably, yeah, I, I yeah, I, I'm not, I don't have faith in, in any of these RSNs coming after anyone really. I think the Suns must be able to feel pretty good about it if they're going ahead with it. We'll see how it plays out. I definitely think it's where the Hornets and, and likely more teams would head. Uh, but to Nada's point, uh, I don't think the Hornets are looking to get into any sort of legal battle at this particular juncture. Um, and so that may be a little, a little, a little, uh, you know, a, a, a roadblock at this time. Mm-hmm. But I think eventually this is where they would all want to go. Well, I don't think the legal battle is the problem. I think the money's the problem. So I'm going to read to you from this uh, article that you shared yes. with us from ESPN.com. Here's the quote. The shift could cost the Suns tens of millions in guaranteed money per year in the short term, but it will boost the number of households the games are available in from 800,000 to more than 2.8 million, according to the team. This is Check. a quote from the new owner, uh, Matashiba. We're not focusing on money. We're focusing on winning success and taking care of fans, taking care of the community. Uh, what happens is you always end up making money. It always works out. Now, notice what I said there. New owner. Okay. Yeah. He has incentive mm-hmm. to go out and spend money to make money. And that's essentially what he's doing by cutting the RSN. He's losing money to make money. And I don't think Michael Jordan, I don't think he had any interest in doing that many years ago, but certainly not now when there are talks about moving the t- team to another ownership group. So what I hope is that the team does sell and that that ownership group includes some people who are smart about this kind of stuff because yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even trust Michael to get this right and not even about Michael but I have still trauma from the old Bob Johnson CSET days when they were the Bobcats and they tried to make their own network and it just screwed fans over like I don't trust this ownership group to get this type of big deal right and so I really would hope that a new ownership group could come in and do some fantastic stuff like this that would be more fan friendly well, and and I will say too go ahead David go ahead go ahead go ahead I was just going to say they may not have been thinking along these lines either right guys i mean to your point like the new guys of the suns probably came in and to you know in their defense a little bit the suns are in a lot different place than the hornets they've got one of the most popular players in the league most popular teams in the league they've had success uh so they won't have a problem getting eyeballs on this team i think those words though for any fan base to hear saying hey you know, we know we're going to make the money at some point. We want our fans to be able to see the team. I think a lot of Hornets fans, a lot of people in Charlotte would uh, champion that notion to, you know, to hear that from this team at any point. Like, I think that would be a big deal for for anyone mm-hmm. in that front office to say, look, we know you haven't been able to see this team. There was a whole season where you literally could not see the team play if you lived in Charlotte. Yeah. Like, that's never been acknowledged. The only thing they've ever said is, Basically, you know, your boilerplate, we have an agreement in place, blah, blah, blah. blah, 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 so, blah. You know, be, you know what would be refreshing to hear from this ownership group at any point or maybe a new ownership group would be, quote, we're okay. not focusing on money. We're focusing on winning, success, and taking care of fans, taking care of the community. Yeah. That's well, a nice thing, thing to hear. Too, well, and last thing, too, is you talk about that comment. That's exactly what I wanted to reference because when you talk about the new owner in Matt Ishbia replacing Robert Sarver, one of the worst owners in NBA <laughs> Got that, history. Did I get that name wrong? Did I get that name wrong? I think I said Ashiba. I think I turned him into like a Mitsubishi. I think I turned him into a, 
I think I turned him into a foreign car. Sorry, Matt. Well, I mean, we're going to have Rich Snob on the team at some point as well. So Matt Ishiba, Rich Snob, it doesn't really matter. But Matt Ishbia owning the team, taking over for Robert Sarvo, one of the worst owners in league history. This is a guy that forced senior citizens to go to town meetings and destroy them saying, hey, we need to stop paying money. We don't, we, this is this is not something we should be supporting anymore. This Suns organization under Sarver, because all they do is they keep losing. Granted, they finally figured it out after they traded for Chris Paul, but it was a long time of drafting Dragon Bender and Marquise Chris and Alex Lynn mm -hmm. before mm -hmm. they actually got to the whole Chris Paul thing. And so, yes, when the town actively hates you and then you get a new owner say, hey, maybe, maybe I can bring these people back. That's a smart business and people decision. And so this is why maybe they have a little bit more incentive to do so. If you don't like Michael Jordan, that's that's a lot of people. He doesn't have the reputation that Sarver does within the community. It's actually oh very different with no. MJ. No, no, no. And it's not to me. This ownership discussion for me has become less about Michael Jordan and more about what a new ownership group would mean. And mainly, it would mean creativity, new ideas, and a fresh yeah, enthusiasm yeah. that we haven't seen yeah. from this team in a very long time. I would certainly hope so. Hopefully, that does come about if and when. And who knows, man? The timing on this is going to be interesting. Who knows when this franchise actually exchanges hands? All right, that's David Walker, the Almanac of Air, making his weekly appearance. You can follow him on Twitter at David B. Walker. Make sure you go read Doug's Substack, everyhornetsboxscore.com, and listen to me on WFNZ if you're in the Charlotte area. And if not, just pull up the app. I'm on air from 12 to 3 p.m. every single day. Thanks again, David. Appreciate the time, man. Yeah, fellas. Have a good one. All right, you too. Thanks for making us your first listen. Make your second listen game-to-game -game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked on game-to-game -game covers every game from across the league with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow game-to-game -game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow.